0: Good morning. Enjoying the January weather and Thanksgiving time. Isn't that wonderful? Yes, woo-hoo. God's good. This is, uh, as we've been mentioning, um, the beginning of Advent season for us here. And this Advent, we're going to take an in-depth look into the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, this series that we're embarking upon over Advent is really our introductory series to what will follow in the year 2020 when we look into the life of Jesus exhaustively using uh, the Gospel uh, of John. So we're going to begin that journey uh, actually uh, this morning. Um, John's account is interesting in that it's a little different than the other four Gospels other three Gospels, excuse me. Uh, John's Gospel begins with the divinity of Christ and the description of his, uh, you know. Godhead position or part of being part of the Godhead and all that kind of thing. Uh, whereas the other gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, begin with the humanity side uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, in John's Gospel, we see God up close, we see the person of Jesus. And um, so this morning we're going to begin uh, our, our journey into the life of Jesus. Uh, using the Gospel of John. I think that John is a Bible character that really connected with Jesus. In fact, when I think of a Bible character that connected with Jesus, the first one that comes to my mind is is John. He just seemed to have this real intimate uh, connection uh, with his Lord. And this is seen even in uh, uh, dealings like the betrayal of Christ. When Christ is uh, meeting with his disciples in John chapter 13, he says, one of you is going to betray me. And Peter, we're told, turn to the one whom Jesus loved, which is John, and asked this disciple who was leaning next to Jesus, who is it? And right there in that whole dialogue, we see that John had this special connection with Jesus, and even the other disciples acknowledged it. And I, I don't know where you're at this morning when you walk with Christ, but when I think of connection with Jesus I want to have a connection like that of John. I want to be real connected uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray that you desire that connection. And I pray that's your heart of hearts today, because that's what we're going to be focusing on this Advent season. And that's where our 2020 series from the uh, book of John will take us also. So this morning we begin Advent. Advent means the coming of or arrival of something momentous. So for four weeks, each Advent Sunday, we're working towards our celebration of Christmas. So here's our introductory thought this morning. The Advent season anticipates the Advent, which means arrival of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this first week of Advent, we're focusing on hope, as has uh, been shared by Pastor Kyle and, and, and Jaina here. Um, And this morning, we're going to be focusing on hope. And in fact, I I think we're going to, well, I know we're going to do it because I'm giving you the message. We're going to talk about why that hope is sure and why we can be convinced uh, of the hope that we have in the Lord uh, Jesus Christ. And and part of what we're supposed to do on a day like this is just remember that our God is a promise-keeping God, that when he makes a promise, it comes true. When he says something, it will happen. And this was seen long ago, and it's seen in the days that we live in also. Uh, God spoke to Isaiah so long before Christ was born, and he gave this prophet a message. uh, And the message was this, for unto us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So this prophet of God was given this message for the future that God would send a son, Jesus, And so on this day of Advent, when we think about hope, what we're supposed to remember and recall is that our God makes promises, and his promises always come true. You know what I've noticed about Christmas is that basically everybody likes it. There are a few that are, you know, humbuggers, but by and large, people love Christmas. A lot of them don't know why, but we know that people love Christmas. You know why? Because Christmas ornaments go up in October. In the stores, right? You can buy trees. I think, oh, the, 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 the marketing people know that people love Christmas, and they're going to take advantage of that kind of love. One thing I've noticed is that Thanksgiving is a holiday we just kind of blow through. Would you agree with me on that? I'm a middle child. Anybody a middle child in here? I call Thanksgiving the middle child of holidays. It's ignored and minimized. Amen? Uh, some of you think that's funny, but if you're an older or younger child, you probably don't think that's funny. But Thanksgiving is kind of like it's there, but even during Thanksgiving, we're looking forward to Christmas, and so uh, to me, Thanksgiving is a middle child, but Christmas is the main thing, and I think that's okay. Actually, I think that Christmas should be really highlighted, and what I want us to understand today is why Christmas should be highlighted and why our hope in Christ should be this sure thing. So that's what we're going to focus on this morning. And I'm going to use Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, as our big thought scripture for this morning's message. Um, It's the destination of where I want to take us in this message. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. If you do not have this scripture memorized, you should memorize it. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. An easy scripture to memorize, and it also brings us to a a big thought that we ought to have when it comes to hope. Our hope in Christ is a sure thing. It's a certain thing. It's not a, oh, I'm hopeful for. No, it's a hope that anticipates with certainty of what is to come. Amen? And that's what we're looking at here this morning in this message today. And John begins his gospel with a description of why our hope in Christ can indeed be a sure thing. Why our hope should be a a certain thing. And so as I read to you from John chapter 1 verses 1 through 9 this morning, I want you to look at how this scripture basically tells you and I that our hope in Christ is a sure thing. Listen to this scripture from the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word. Now, this is a reference to Jesus. The Word is a reference to Jesus. So in the beginning was the Word, in the beginning was Jesus, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. So right away here in the Gospel of John, we see uh, where our sure hope is to be anchored on. Jesus is the starting point of hope that is sure. So our hope, if it's going to be sure and certain, has to be anchored on Jesus Christ. I think a lot of people at Christmas have a, a deep desire for hope, but they don't know what that hope should be anchored on. Amen? But you and I, as followers of Christ, if you're a follower of Christ, your hope is anchored where? In Jesus. on Jesus. And it's a sure hope. In the beginning could be stated this way. The starting point. It could be stated the starting point. So it could read like this, John. The starting point is the Word. The starting point is Jesus. He's the beginning point of life. So beginning could be translated starting point. The Word means this, omnipotent voice, decree governing power behind all things, the source of all that is, that being Jesus. So the word coming from logos in the original Greek means omnipotent voice, decree governing power behind all things, the source of all that is. So basically, it could be stated this way. John could be stated this way. The starting point is the omnipotent voice, the creed, governing power behind all things, the source of all that is, Jesus. That's the beginning point. If you're going to have a sure hope, that has to be your beginning point. Jesus has to be the lens through which you see all of the world. How many of you wear eyeglasses? Anybody wear eyeglasses? I mean, some of it's obvious because I'm seeing it on your face. So if you don't raise your hand, I'm going to say, why aren't you raising your hand if you've got glasses on? Some of us wear glasses um, I have an old pair of my glasses here. You know, kind of these classics, right? He uh, looked like a, a nerd when I wore these. But anyway, I look like a nerd now anyway. But anyway, um, I, I always joke this way. I wear really powerful glasses, and I get the, uh, the lenses that are made out of a special material where they can make it thinner. Some of you know what I'm talking about, because if I was made out of the, the regular material, they'd be about a quarter inch thick on the sides. And so they were very heavy on your nose, know very uncomfortable. So I get the, the, the super nice, thin little lenses. Um, I jokingly say this. Uh, there's one thing really powerful about me, my glasses. They're extraordinarily powerful. I can't see without my glasses on very well. Um, If you see me without glasses on, one of two things is transpiring. One, I have contacts in, which I like to wear contacts because I hate to wear glasses, especially in the cold when they fog up all the time. Or secondly, I am just choosing not to see that day. Any of you do that have glasses? I do that all the time when I work out. Very rarely do I wear glasses, I just take them off. I can't see a thing, I mean I could see if you're 10 feet from me, I see really well close. I just can't see more than 10 feet from me so if somebody walks by they're a figure sort of and sometimes i can recognize them by the you know shape of them or whatever but i don't see very clearly right (laughs) and so uh if i'm running around town sometime and you go by me and i don't acknowledge you and i don't have any eyewear on chances are i don't know who you are that's why not being snobbish or anything like that just letting you know i'm already giving myself a way out of that thing but anyway um Jesus is like these powerful glasses. When we, when we put our faith in him, he gives us the ability to see things that we would never see. He brings into view life. He gives us understanding and wisdom that we otherwise would never have. And he becomes this powerful, powerful, you know, factor in our life of seeing things the way we ought to see things. If we choose not to believe in Christ, if we choose to reject Jesus Christ, we're basically saying, I'm going to live life blind. Now, we're going to see some things. We're going to kind of understand some things, but they're going to be blurry to us and kind of out of focus, right? And not quite there. And, 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 but, but once we have Christ in our lives... He brings things into focus, doesn't he, And in a powerful way. I always say this, especially for those of us of who, of course, this applies to us as Christ followers. We should never, ever, ever, ever doubt God. We should never, ever come to the point of, I wonder if Jesus exists or doesn't exist. No. But it's okay at times to ask, God, what are you up to? I don't understand what you're up to. I don't get what you're doing in my life. But we should never say, I don't know if I believe in you. Amen? There's a big distinction between those two things. We should put on these glasses and keep them on all the time. Amen? And and just trust in our God that he is uh, working in our lives even when we don't understand uh, what's going on. But if you reject Christ, you're going to live blind. You're just going to live life blind. So here's a reflection uh, thought I have for you. If Jesus is not the starting point in your life, you will not understand life. So if Jesus is not the starting point in your life, you're just not going to understand life. In our tolerant-based culture, we don't like to say such black and white statements. But get this. If Jesus is not the starting point of your life, you will not understand life. I don't care how nice of a person you are and how likable you are, blah, blah, blah. That doesn't matter. If you do not have Christ as your reference point, as the way you see life, you will not understand life. Just the way it is. So here's a question I have for you. Does Jesus have his rightful position as the starting point of your life? Does he have that place in your heart of hearts today? So now what I want to do is take a few moments and just flesh out with you why the hope in Jesus is a sure thing. So Jesus is a starting point of sure hope. But John also tells us why Jesus is worthy of having our, you know, Hope be sure in him, okay? So I want to talk with you on that for just a few moments. And the first point is this. Hope in Jesus is sure because he's eternal. John says he's eternal. He has always been part of the God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now here's where some real definitive understanding is in order. I think because even some Christians make this error, and a lot of people outside the faith make this error for sure. Here's a wrong understanding of our God that God became Jesus, and Jesus became the Holy Spirit. That, my friends, is heresy. It's not correct. It's not true. The three persons of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, have always been. The phrase, word with God, denotes that Jesus had equality with God, yet distinction from the Father. Okay? It means equality with, yet distinction from the phrase could be rendered this way, face to face. So the word was with God and it could be stated this way. The word was face to face with God in the beginning. It, there, there is this distinction, yet there also is this understanding uh, of this unity, okay? So in the beginning, the word Jesus was face to face with God. So I got to thinking, what are the implications of this idea that Christ is eternal? Why would John begin his gospel basically saying Jesus is eternal? Why why is that so important? Well, first of all, for me, now this is just my list, okay? I think John's making the point that Jesus is the source of everything. He's the source of everything. And so I thought, well, if Jesus is the source of everything, what's then the implication of that to me? That means I should be characterized by submission to him. And I should have a heart that trusts in him. And I should have a life of obedience lived out to him. See, these are, to me, the implications that Jesus is eternal. He's the source. I am in submission to him. I trust him. And my life is characterized by obedience. For example, if Jesus is a source of life, the power behind all things... This means he, is creator, has absolute power and control over my life. And part of true connection with Jesus, then, for me, is understanding and admitting and accepting that he really is in charge of my life. And the more I think you grow in faith like this, and, and the more you abide in Christ, and the more you mature in Christ, the bigger he should become in this regards of being acknowledged as my source and my strength and my ever-present help and needs, uh, in, in times of trouble. So here's what I want you to do with me today. I want you to engage a little bit for a moment. Think of some implications that Christ is eternal. You think of some. I left five and six blank on purpose here on your little list If you're a note-taker, I know that would drive some of you a little bit crazy if I didn't fill those in. They're not filled in on purpose here. So what would you add to the list? If Christ is eternal, what does that mean to you? Ask the Holy Spirit to make that known to you. What does it mean that Christ is eternal? What does that imply to me as a person? And take a moment now and ask the Holy Spirit, hey, what should I realize here? What should be revealed to my heart? because Christ is eternal. What are you saying to me, God? And so you fill in five and six. And I'm going to give you 20 seconds to do so. Just think about it. If you're not a note taker, that's fine. But think about what are the implications to you that Jesus is eternal. And we're going to have 20 seconds of quiet right here. Here we go. All right, I gave you 25 seconds. That's good enough, huh? Now, here's why we do these exercises. What I want to transpire in a morning like this is for you to engage and begin to encounter the Holy Spirit and the revelation that he wants to bring into your life. This isn't about me imparting a whole bunch of things to you. This is about you having a connection with God. Amen? And so what I want to do is give some small opportunities maybe for you to do that. But at times during the day, I think God wants us to stop, take a breath, slow down, and say, what are you saying to me right now? Give me ears to hear. Give me a heart that's attentive to you, Lord God. Amen? And become people who walk not by sight, but by the Spirit. And for that to truly transpire in our lives, we have to take moments and just say, I'm going to settle my soul down right now. God, and I'm going to ask, what are you saying to me? And I think when we read something like we did this morning from the Gospel of John, where it's a revelation that Jesus is eternal, he's part of the Godhead, we need to say, okay, what does that mean? How does it affect the way I live? Am I living in light of that kind of a truth? So this is why we did this little exercise this morning. Um... Let's go on to point two here, and we're still on this topic of why hope is sure, looking at the gospel of John. Hope in Jesus is sure because he is life, we're told in John. Life comes from the Greek word zoe, and it just means that the very life of God, which believers are made partakers of, life in the spirit and soul, and, and implied then is that Jesus is the very substance of life. It's a common mistake made, I think, by people that, that, that Jesus is kind of a tack on my life. I, 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 I want Jesus to make my life a little bit better, and He's going to be my helper, and blah, blah, blah. Listen, He's not the seasoning to your meal; He is the meal. There's a big difference there. He's not some flavoring you put in your life to do life a little bit better. He needs to become your life. He needs to become your main course. He needs to become the meal that you consume, not the seasoning that you add. Amen? Because he's life. And once we begin to understand that, then we begin to walk in a way where our hope can be sure. Because Jesus is becoming our life, and the main thing our life is about. Let's move on to point number three here. Uh, Another reason why hope is sure. Hope in Jesus is sure is because he is light, John tells us. He is the light that shines in the darkness. I, I love the imagery that's being painted here. Uh, light means that which gives forth light. Jesus is a source of light. He, he is not, you know, a, 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 so to speak, a light for something else. He is the light. And then secondly, darkness comes from this Greek word, uh, skodia, which means unhappiness and ruin, sin and misery. Ones in darkness can't see. You ever been in some place where it's totally dark and you just cannot see anything? Anybody relate to me on that? I'm talking physical darkness now. But you just in some places, so dark, you can't see anything. This last fall, Vicky and I were in Yellowstone, National, one of the national parks, camping. And they have this policy in these national parks, especially those kind of places. There's no artificial light at night. They just want to keep it very natural so the animals are happy and feel like they're in their natural habitat, right? So we humans wander around in the middle of the night in total darkness, You can't see a thing. It's really, really dark. So we have these little headlights that you can put on your head. You ever see these things? They look really dorky. I kind of like them because they're dorky. But you put these kind of things on, and then you can turn the light on to see, right? And it gets real. It's annoyingly bright, amen? In fact, the ones that we use for camping have red so that they're not quite so bright, and they don't blind other people as you walk by them. This one has a dimmer setting, so I'll put it in the dimmer setting so I'm not driving you guys nuts while I talk. Um, But you know why I found this light is so handy? It's because in these parks, they like to keep them natural. And there's big boulders every place that you can fall over in the dark. And uh, I've done that. Walking along and right into a boulder... And that does not feel good. And then the path, for some reason, there are always little thorny bushes right by the path. So you can step off into those things and say, oh, that was a great experience. Or walking off the edge of the road because the road's six inches higher than the side of the road, and you kind of just fall down into the bushes. And so this light becomes a really great aid at night because you can see where you're going, and you don't get tripped up or bloodied by these objects that otherwise you don't see. And as I was thinking on this whole in the darkness kind of thing, I remember once sleeping in my brother's RV at his house. I was just blowing through the area, and I stayed with him one night. I can't even remember why, but I asked if I could sleep over at his house as I was traveling. Uh, from here to there. And he said, sure, why don't we put you up in my RV? That way you can just have a, a kind of a place to yourself. Well, he had his RV parked right next to his garage. And right there are a whole bunch of big oak trees and pine trees. If you know, he lives north of the Twin Cities, and that's kind of normal, uh, normal kind of uh, you know, trees for that area. And so at night, it's extraordinarily dark there. So I get put away into the RV for the night. And about 2 o'clock in the morning, I have to go to the bathroom, right? I get up. Have you ever been in a strange place? I, have no, I couldn't even hardly find the door. How do I get out of this thing? And I thought, I don't want to go to the bathroom here in the camper because, you know, he'd have to clean it out. So I have to get to his house somehow, right? So I find the door, and I'm so, I don't know about you, but when I wake up at night, I am not the most alert human being in the planet. I'm kind of groggy. I don't do real well. And so... I go to open the door and step out onto the steps. Now, it's about this high off the ground, really. His camper is one of those big RVs. It's about this high off the ground as the platform to this floor. For some unknown reason to me, he put the steps away. He folded them up underneath the camper. To today, I don't have any idea why he did that. So I open the door. It's dark. I just open from one darkness to another darkness. And so I go and take a big step. Right? And guess what I did? I stepped into air. There was no step there. And all of a sudden, I'm thinking, I'm falling. And I landed, I face planted, literally on the ground, in this driveway, gravel driveway. And I'm laying there thinking, hmm, that hurt a lot. I remember saying, and rolling over my back for a while, staring up, I can't even see the stars. You know, <laughs> it's just so, I hurt so bad. So I stumbled up, I got to the house, Went to the bath and did my business, came back out. And I remember thinking, man, my arm really hurts, you know? But I was so tired. You ever been there? I just crawled back in the bed. I thought, ah, I'll just go back to bed. So I went back to bed. And the next morning I woke up and I looked around and said, where's all this blood from? And I had cut my elbow real bad here and I had bled all over my clothes, all over his bed and everything. And I woke up and said, What in the world happened here? Then I realized, oh, I must have cut myself when I fell down last night. And so I had to tell my brother, I think I wrecked some of your bedding because I bled all over it, you know? And whenever I read the scripture here of the darkness in John, I'm reminded, in the darkness is sin and misery. In the darkness, you can't see where you're going. In the darkness, you get bloodied up, you get hurt. Listen, without the Lord Jesus Christ in your life, you're walking in darkness. And in darkness... You get hurt. You run into things. You don't see things. You, you run into things that damage you and break you and hurt you. And we're told here in the Gospel of John that Christ becomes the source of light. He illuminates our life. He illuminates the obstacles. He makes them known to us. He shows us where to go so that we don't end up being damaged goods. Amen? Amen. And I, I just love the imagery that's being painted here. And that's why I hope in Christ on, on this first Advent Sunday, it's a sure thing because he is a light that shows us how to do life and how to do it with what I would call abundance and how to have life that we're meant uh, to have. So, Jesus is eternal, he's life and he's light. If someone were to ask you, what is the most important thing about you? How would you answer that question? What's the most important thing about you as a person? How would you answer that question? I hope somewhere in that answer, Jesus would come up. I love what A.W. Tozer said to that very question. He's a Christian writer. He answered that question this way. The most important thing about you is what comes to mind when you think about God. So if someone asks you, what's the most important thing about you? I hope that some of the things that we share today from the Gospel of John would be in there. But Jesus is my Lord. He's my life. He's my light. Because what comes to mind when someone asks what's the most important thing about you should include Christ. Amen. And thoughts about Christ Evan begins today we've spent some time with a close up look into who Jesus is so i want to end with some reflection questions for you first of all do you have a sure hope today are you certain in your god are you certain in your lord jesus christ Is your hope anchored on Jesus? Is he your starting point? Is he the way that you see life? Is everything being brought into view because you're a Christ follower? Is he illuminating your path? Second question. What has the Holy Spirit spoken to you this day? How has he spoken to your heart? You see, sometimes we come to a church like this, we're tired, we're distracted. Maybe we're looking at, well, they didn't do this very well, or they did this really well. And you know what? We need to quit doing that. We need to come to a a gathering like this and say, Holy Spirit, what do you want to speak to me today? What's the Holy Spirit saying to your heart this morning? How are you going to do life differently because Christ is eternal, because Christ is life, because Christ is light? What does that mean to you as a a person? What's the Holy Spirit saying to you today? And then, last question, how's this going to change the way that you live then? How's it going to prompt you to do your life a bit differently? I've been really trying to be more what I would call engaged with Christ. When I read This word, or when I think about some things, I think more along the lines. Okay, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me, and how do you want me to live differently? And I want you to begin to, I hope, have that kind of interaction with God. And maybe Advent will be a season where we begin to really do this as a church. I know that as Pastor Aaron and I get into discussing the Gospel of John and how we're going to preach through that together, um, our goal is not to go through the Book of John. Our goal is to have you connect with Jesus and have the Holy Spirit fill you, and have you walk in the strength and the power and the unction of our Almighty God. Amen? That's our goal. And I pray that's your heart, and that's your hope. And that's the journey that I'm inviting you into this Advent season, and that's the journey I'm inviting you into as we go into this next year, 2020.